This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Well, in a final bid yesterday to stop his extradition to the United States, Julian Assange's lawyers fought valiantly to poke holes in the case of the prosecution to obtain an appeal. A very interesting case. Um, Assange is has effectively been imprisoned since 2012 when he received political asylum from Ecuador explicitly against U.S. prosecution, some would call it persecution, and he has been actually in prison since 2018 in a high-security prison in the U.K. known as the British Guantanamo. The only reason he's imprisoned is because the U.S. government seeks to extradite him and try him on espionage charges for the crime of reporting on the secret crimes of the American government. And he is facing his final attempt to convince a British court not to extradite him to the United States, while the U.S. media and the political class obsess about civil liberties in Russia, they ignore, when they're not at least, when they're not openly cheering it on, What all civil liberties and press freedoms groups agree is the gravest threat to press freedom in the West. Namely, the attempt to put Assange in an American prison for life, where he will almost certainly die. Now, um, Assange, by the way, has never been to the United States. And yet this is the country that he is likely, that he's very likely facing extradition to and imprisonment in. Just I'll give you a little bit of background. Now, I'm a supporter of Assange. Doesn't mean I've supported everything he's done, but I think he is a great journalist. And I think he does the job that the mainstream media used to do. Media outlets like the Washington Post and the New York Times used to print things like the Pentagon Papers. They used to print leaked documents. They printed the Podesta emails. And they, they printed all sorts of stuff that Julian Assange broke. He broke these stories. Julian Assange's nearly 15-year legal battle began in 2010 when WikiLeaks published classified military files 
from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, including footage showing a U.S. helicopter gunning down civilians, including two Reuters journalists in Baghdad. He took refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy in London before being arrested by the Metropolitan Police in 2019, who were permitted by the Ecuadorian embassy to enter and seize him, and he's been held for nearly five years in less than ideal conditions, to put it charitably. This man is not a spy. I don't believe he committed a crime. He did not purloin classified documents. He did what a lot of journalists do, but he did it in a much more important way. He published volumes of material leaked to him by Chelsea Manning, which exposed war crimes. It didn't just expose war crimes, it exposed lies. It exposed corruption. It exposed torture. It exposed assassinations. Can you imagine if WikiLeaks never published that material about Hillary Clinton that came from the Podesta emails in 2016? He ripped back the veil to expose what was going on in this country. And the two-day hearing that we're in the midst of is Assange's last chance to appeal this extradition decision made two years ago by the former British Home Secretary. What day is today? Wednesday. Today, the prosecution is going to make its arguments. If he's denied an appeal... He can request uh, the European Court of Human Rights for a stay of execution, which is given in exceptional circumstances and only where there is an imminent, imminent risk of irreparable harm. But the British court may order Assange's immediate extradition prior. So we will see. I think this case is an absolute travesty. And one of the many things that I hold against Donald Trump is that he did not pardon Julian Assange. I mean, it's particularly egregious when you think of how the Trump campaign benefited from the work that WikiLeaks did, and Trump didn't even pardon him. uh, Not just didn't pardon him, they were the ones that made the decision to prosecute him. And Obama's Justice Department looked at prosecuting Assange as well. And ultimately, the lawyers in Obama's Justice Department concluded that they couldn't do it because it was such an... It was such an irregular prosecution and such an unprecedented use of prosecutorial power that it really would take us to the next step of criminalizing journalism. So the Obama administration, to their credit, made the decision not to charge him. The uh, Trump Justice Department, as we know, with all those brilliant men that were there at the time, people like Rod Rosenstein, people like Jeff Sessions, people like Bill Barr, they had no such cool heads and sanity in the Trump Justice Department. They made the decision to go forward with prosecution. So, uh, and honestly, if I vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. this year, one of the key reasons will be he has promised that he will pardon Julian Assange. So I think this is horrible. All 18 counts filed against Julian Assange allege that his purpose was that such information so obtained, meaning the material Chelsea Manning leaked to him, could be used to the injury of the United States and the advantage of any foreign nation. This hearing um, was, I think, just a joke. An absolute joke. 
I think the reference made uh, to, you know, potentially um, harming another country was particularly outlandish since the unredacted documents were first made public, not by WikiLeaks or Julian Assange, but by another website called Cryptome, after reporters from The Guardian printed the password to these unredacted, unredacted documents in their book. So some of these documents were already out there before WikiLeaks even published them. So the U.S. is officially seeking Assange's extradition, where he's potentially facing up to 175 years in prison for the publication of these Iraq and Afghanistan war logs and diplomatic cables. But the U.S. did not request his extradition until the release in March of 2017 of the files known as Vault 7. What's Vault 7? Do you remember that? It was seven years ago. You may need a little refresher. Vault 7 detailed how the CIA could hack Apple and Android smartphones and turn Internet-connected televisions on, even when they were off, and turn them into listening devices. That's scary that the CIA has that power. And we should know that the CIA has that power. So is there any question that the CIA is driving this prosecution? So after the release of Vault 7, then-CIA director Mike Pompeo called WikiLeaks a non-state hostile intelligence service. The attorney general at the time, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, said that Assange's arrest was a priority. By August, the U.S. Senate had passed a 78-page intelligence finance bill, which included a sentence declaring that, quote, it is the sense of Congress that WikiLeaks and the senior leadership of WikiLeaks resemble a non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors and should be treated as such a service by the United States. And in May of 2019... The Trump administration accused Assange of violating the Espionage Act and asked the U.K. to extradite him to stand trial in the U.S. Trump has called the allegations against Assange treason and called for, quote, this is a quote from our illustrious former president, the death penalty or something. Other politicians, including a former Republican presidential candidate Mike Huckabee, have also called for Assange to be executed. If Assange is extradited and additionally charged for the release of these Vault 7 documents, this could result in additional charges that merit the death penalty for aiding and abetting the enemy. That's what U.S. officials are saying. Um, this is crazy. The the lawyers for Assange made this point yesterday that the CIA is driving this prosecution and this extradition. The leak of this Vault 7 documents was so embarrassing and to the CIA was highly damaging. The CIA is determined to make Assange pay. The fella that leaked these documents to Assange, I denounced him last week because he was also in the midst of trafficking child pornography. 
which I find to be a much more egregious transgression than leaking material to WikiLeaks, he was just given a 40-year sentence. And if Assange is extradited, he is going to be next. And he said that he, if he ends up in an American prison, he's going to end up dead. And you know what? I think he's right. Um, a co- several times over the last couple of years, I have interviewed Julian Assange's brother, Gabriel Shipton, and we talked about what Assange is like now and kind of where where the Assange case is. We talked about what Assange's actual role was in this whole situation. Here's my interview with Gabriel Shipton. Remind us of his role in uncovering some of the lies that the government told the public about what was going on in Iraq and in Afghanistan. What exactly did WikiLeaks do uh, with respect to the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war that was so significant? Well, WikiLeaks published uh, the Chelsea Manning uh, leaks. They published uh, 400,000 Iraq war logs. Uh, 75,000 Afghanistan war logs. And really, the Iraq war logs really revealed uh, the true nature of of the war in Iraq. Uh, 15,000 unaccounted for civilian deaths um, that that really showed the people, you know, what was really going on in Iraq. You know, we were being told at the time, uh, particularly in Australia, we we were a part of the coalition and we were being told that the war was going well, but what we weren't being told was about all these civilian deaths, uh, and also the the, net, the famous uh, collateral murder video, uh, and that's a video of a helicopter gunship uh, that is shown uh, mowing down two Reuters journalists, and then also uh, shooting the Good Samaritans uh, that came to save them, and that includes two children who just happened to be in the van uh, that stopped to save these wounded journalists. So really, that was a sort of catalyst uh, for the beginning of the end of the Iraq war. And it saved many, many lives, uh, not just uh, Iraqis, but also of, you know, U.S., Australian service people uh, who were being sent there uh, for for this war um, that the public didn't really know what was going on. But, But through those releases, through WikiLeaks, releases and the leaks from Chelsea Manning, the public was able to sort of mount a campaign uh, for that for that war to to be come to an end. If you want to comment on the extradition of Assange, you're welcome to 800-848-9222. I think this is so incredibly egregious. And honestly, I think President Biden is First of all, he's controlled by the same deep state uh, actors. I hate to use that term, but I think it fits in this case. The same deep state actors that drove the Assange prosecution in the first place. So I expect nothing different from him. But if he really wanted to differentiate himself from Trump in a positive way, he could pull the plug on this, uh, this prosecution tomorrow. And he should. But, of course, he won't. Because, you know, he has an interest in carrying the water for the powers that be and the status quo. So I spoke to Gabriel Shipton about why no trial, right? If he's such a great guy, why not take your case to a jury, even though they're not really of his peers, because he's never even been to this country, and try your luck at trial. 
Why wouldn't Julian welcome the opportunity to take his case to trial and make his case before a jury and uh, and hopefully see roll the dice and see what they say as to his guilt or lack thereof? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. Uh, this is a political case, and we know that because uh, in recently in Mike Pompeo's uh, Mike Pompeo's memoir, uh, Mike Pompeo admitted to really pushing this case uh, as CIA director um, and as uh, head of the State Department. Uh, he also admitted to uh, convincing Ecuador, lobbying Ecuador, successfully lobbying Ecuador uh, to kick Julian out or to allow the UK police in to arrest Julian. And so it has that political nature to it and that political push behind it. So it's very unlikely that Julian will get a fair trial here in the US. Another thing, he has been tried in the Eastern District of Virginia. Now, this court in the Eastern District of Virginia has a 100% conviction rate. Its conviction rate is, is the same as a court in Beijing. <laughs> so that is the sort of prospect, uh, the sort of justice that that Julian uh, is is facing if if he if he's extradited, and that's why we're fighting it uh, with all our might. Uh, John Kiriakou, who was the CIA uh, whistleblower, he blew the whistle on uh, the CIA torture black sites. He was tried in this same espionage uh, court in the Eastern District of Virginia, and he hired O.J. Simpson's uh, jury uh, chooser and. Uh, the, the, this guy said to Kiriakou, look, if it was anywhere else, I would say, let's do it. But in this court, the jury is going to be made, out of, made up of intelligence contractors, mm. CIA, military. It's stacked. It's totally stacked against you, and you'll never win there. Stella Assange, uh, Julian's wife, spoke yesterday on the first day of this two-day extradition hearing. This is what she said. So today was uh, a day of legal arguments, but really what it was was an indictment of a rogue agency, the Central Intelligence Agency, which runs, it pops up in each of the arguments, whether it was Julian exposing their torture program and their involvement in illegal killings or their own plots to murder him throughout this the origin of this prosecution came about when the cia had mike pompeo lost the plot he lost the plot and then he instrumentalized his agency to go after a a, a media organization to plot the murder of a journalist and to imprison a publisher in london they lost the plot Whatever happens in the coming days, it's now been aired in court. The murder plots, the political motivation coming out of Mike Pompeo's obsession with killing Julian, and the murders that Julian exposed in Iraq and Afghanistan, the torture program that European countries willingly participated in.
We free Julian, we regain our democracy. Let's free Julian, come back here tomorrow. Free Assange! I don't care whether you're liberal or conservative or uh, independent, uh, libertarian, vegetarian, or non-political, whatever. Uh, I think if you have any sense of justice, you have got to recognize the incredible overreach in this prosecution, which was begun by the Trump administration and is now being continued with by the Biden administration. And you got to recognize this is not someone who's a spy. This is not somebody who should be tried with espionage. This is somebody who's a journalist that published classified materials, just as media outlets have done for probably centuries. This man should be giving be getting journalism awards, not hold away somewhere in the British Guantanamo deteriorating health wise. You know, I spoke to his brother, Gabriel, about how he's doing now. And again, this last conversation was probably a year ago. And to no one's surprise, he's not doing well. He's been in a maximum security prison just outside of London. He is not serving a sentence. He's not convicted of any crime. He's there solely as a remand prisoner related to an extradition request from the U.S. National Security DOJ, who are trying to charge him uh, with uh, espionage for publishing uh, material in the public interest. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. David in the Bronx, I know you cannot be siding with Mike Pompeo and Jeff Sessions over the Frankster, can you? Uh, I actually am, unfortunately, oh. and I'll tell you why. First of all, he went into the Ecuadorian consulate in London not to get away from extradition to the United States, but to Sweden, where he was being sought on sexual assault charges. So let's get the record straight. And the other thing is, he also managed to get somebody pregnant when he was at the Ecuadorian embassy. So the guy was not exactly suffering while he was there all those years. And they got sick of him because he was treating them like servants. Now, um, the other thing is, the information that you're talking about regarding the Apple and, and the turning on the TVs and stuff, the CIA does not collect information in the United States, okay? He ticked off foreign nations that we were collecting information using those technologies, okay? Not friendly nations, nations like Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, okay? The other thing is that Assange has never reported on anything Russia does. He only goes after the United States, and he's clearly been working with the Russians in the past and also in the 2016 campaign to undermine Hillary Clinton. So this is not a journalist like you keep saying. And the last thing, his brother implies that the Eastern District of Virginia is like a court in Beijing. They don't have grand juries in Beijing. They don't have jury trials in Beijing, and they don't have appeals to higher courts in Beijing. So this 
attempt to make the United States seem like a uh, third world or second world dictatorship, that's outrageous on its face. Why don't you have more faith in our justice system, Frank? Well, first of all, that's why I asked the question, David. I asked him, why not simply uh, go to trial? And uh, they gave their answer. I I agree. I mean, look, um, the jury system is far from perfect. But look, that's the system we have. I have a lot of faith in the jury system. I wish he would uh, go to trial and take his chances there. I think, you know, Vault 7, uh, the, the documents released there... Basically, it showed it was not that the CIA only did this in foreign countries. It was that they have the ability to perform this electronic surveillance on Google Chrome devices, Mozilla, Firefox, uh, you know, the Apple phones, the Google Androids, all sorts of phones and operating systems that are used in, in the United States. So why shouldn't Americans, why shouldn't everybody, quite frankly, though, have the right to know that? Listen, I don't have a problem with people, quote, knowing this stuff, but I have an issue when you're releasing information that seems designed specifically to assist foreign nations that are against the United States. And that's a side effect of what he did. And like I said, if he did this to other countries like Russia but, but and China, couldn't you have said the same thing? Inclined- couldn't you have said the same thing about the Pentagon Papers or any other leaked document that embarrasses the government or the U.S. security state? Well, Frank, there is an issue about whether there should be secrets or not. That's an issue we can debate. But as of right now, I don't think we want other countries to know everything we do to gather information. Otherwise, what would be the point? I mean, I remember it was I don't know if it was this case or another case where they released that the German um, government was being um, watched by our country. I think that was when Obama was president. Now, that was not helpful to our relations with Germany and other countries that we're supposed to be friends with. But that type of surveillance goes on all the time. They do it to us. We do it to them. It's not a secret. And well, I, well, like how I about said, the video that, was- that Shipton mentioned and that I mentioned of this U.S. helicopter firing at civilians in Iraq? Don't you think that's something, while this war is being waged in the name of Americans, isn't that something that Americans should have known about? In the end, I tend to agree. But on the other hand, you can look at it the other way. That type of information released like that in the middle of of an active war that we were in probably helped recruitment for the enemies of the United States in Iraq and other places in the Middle East. There is a reason sometimes that we keep information under uh, under wraps. And I'm not saying it's always a good thing. You know, I never supported the Iraq war. I I didn't support Afghanistan. But the fact of the matter is, if we're going to be engaged in these places, Sometimes you can't have all this information out there. Right, right. But the problem, though, David, the problem, the problem is that if the American people don't know how horrible the conduct of this these wars are, then there's no meaningful opposition, and these wars will just continue indefinitely, as will the wanton killing of civilians, right? So, I mean, that's why it's so important to have someone or something like WikiLeaks out there that's doing this. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but to me, that's an argument for not killing civilians and not engaging in war in places that never attacked us. It's not for not letting the secret get out about killing civilians. All right. This is what I'll say in conclusion. I tend to agree with you on some of these points, but I think the most important thing is for him to come here and be tried in front of. And of course, you said he's not being tried in front of a jury of his peers. We try foreigners 
in our courts all the time who've never been here, who've been extradited to this country. So that's not even a real issue. But let's have the trial. Let's have it covered by the press. He will be able to put on a defense, and he will have the ability to appeal. Why not at least take that step? Why hide in the U.K. under their protection? Well, again, I I think that's a strong point. That's why I asked his brother that question. David, thank you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. We're going to get to Noam Layden in a minute. Nick is in Syracuse. Hello, Nick. Good morning, Frank. I just wanted to say the uh, persecution of the political opposition we have currently is almost no better than what uh, Biden has accused Putin of doing. I mean, there's only one step further than how they're treating their political opposition. And I think people really need to take this seriously because it, it is just, it's right at the point. How much further can they go? They're absolutely destroying Donald Trump. And they're, they're I mean, to me, Julian Assange is a hero because if he never came out with that, we wouldn't know how bad and dangerous the things are that our government is doing. Well, I, I largely agree with you. I wouldn't go so so far as to put Biden and Putin in the same boat, because at least as far as I'm aware, you know, the United States has never done anything like um, hold a journalist captive the way they're holding Evan uh, Gershkovich captive. But I will say I do think there's an irony to your point, Nick. That so many of the pundits and so many of the commentators, so many of the political activists that are denouncing Putin for not letting his opponent run in a free and fair election in Russia are some of the same people applauding loudly when states like Colorado and Maine try to prohibit Trump from getting on the ballot in those states. There is a little bit more than a kernel of hypocrisy there, Nick. Yes, there is. And uh, it's just a point I wanted to make. And it's they're almost at the point where, you know, how how what else can they do? But um, something serious like that, they're they are just to me that that's how I see it. it. It's just they're at the point of almost no return with how they're going after people they don't agree with. Nick. And that goes for both both parties. Oh, you know, oh um, please. Oh, of they, course. They, of course. And and as as far as, uh, you know, uh, impeachment, it's all kabuki theater. Nothing's ever come out of any impeachment. Yeah, uh, thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Oh, and let's not forget about the other country that we are basically adopting as our, you know, wh- what do you call it when you, when you adopt a, a child in a foreign country somewhere that, that you send $3 a day to? I've had them. Over the years, I forget what you call them, but the country that we've adopted as our project, the the country that we're sponsoring, Ukraine. Do you know how Ukraine's presidential election is going this year? You know how that campaign is going? Oh, that's right. They canceled it. They canceled it because they decided they can't have an election in the middle of the war. Gee, so what will happen? Oh, Zelensky gets to stay in power. I want to remind you that the United States had elections in the middle of the Civil War. Lincoln stood for re-election against McClellan right in the middle of the Civil War. Somehow, the bloodiest war in American history, we were still able to have an election, and Ukraine, eh, let's not. Let's not. I mean, somehow I wouldn't be holding my breath uh, waiting for any Ukrainian elections anytime soon. 
800-848-9222. Dave is in Ohio. Hello, Dave. Hi, good morning. Uh, journalism isn't, a, isn't a, a crime, and Julian Assange is a political prisoner, plain and simple. And I was wondering uh, if you remember that uh, Seth Rich was the Democratic Party uh, uh, employee that leaked to Julian Assange the information about um, Bernie Sanders having been ripped off so that the DNC could funnel money to Hillary, and he ended up getting murdered in a non-robbery robbery in Washington, D.C. His name was Seth Rich. Yeah, I remember the Seth Rich case. I, I looked uh, into that case uh, at the time. I, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to make of that, honestly. I mean, uh, they looked into that to see if there was any foul play, but they never caught the perpetrators. I don't know what to make of that. So I'm leery of going down that, uh, that road because the family of Seth Rich has denounced a lot of the theories surrounding his death and said that uh, individuals were exploiting their son's death for uh, political gain. And that's the last thing I want to do. If that's the way the family feels, I certainly don't want to add to that. All right, 800-848-9222. David, Mary, and those of you that are holding, I will get to you. But first, let's chat with Noam Layden straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Twenty minutes until the top of the hour. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Very pleased uh, to be joined every every morning at this time by the one and only Noam Layden, the master of news, our news director. Stand by for the other side of midnight's news. And its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, Noam. Good morning, Frank. The Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the tragic death of a teenager who was subway surfing here in the city. This might not be something you everybody knows about, but what has become mm. a big trend here in the city is to get onto the top of a subway and surf on the top of the subway and then, I guess, just hope for the best. And most of these <sighs> times that these teenagers, they're all teenagers, minus one who is a 50-year-old guy, the teenagers are up there, they're filming themselves so they can put it uploaded onto some social media platform and get just 
enormous amounts of hits. I mean, these subway surfing videos go viral. They can have millions upon millions of hits. And so now uh, a family is going to sue the social media companies. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of Zachary Nazario's death. He was riding a subway a year ago through Williamsburg in Brooklyn, and uh, he was taping it clearly to put it up on uh, one of the social media platforms. In his case, it was Instagram a low, and uh, TikTok. A low beam hit him in the head. He fell off. The train ran over him. He was killed. And now his mother and a, uh, a group are going to sue all the social media platforms where this video was about to air. He was 15 years old at the time. Matthew Bergman is, with, is the founding attorney of this group called the Social Media Victims Law Center. And he's representing the family, and here's what he had to say. Zachary has some responsibility, too. We're not, no one is saying that, that there was not shared fault here. Well, Zachary was uh, addicted to social media by design uh, and affirmatively directed to challenge videos encouraging subway surfing. Yeah, so he's saying these algorithms on social media, and we're hearing these stories more and more often, addicted him to the thought and the idea of subway surfing, because once he looked at a couple of these videos, he was just inundated with them, and that's what possessed him on one level. Look, you heard him. He said he takes the kid obviously have his own responsibilities, a teenager, 15-year-old, for doing so. But he says that social media encouraged him to create content. And now they're going after TikTok and Instagram looking for damages. I do wonder, in the case of TikTok, for instance, what do the – I mean, look, uh, you know, subway surfing is illegal, right? So by having these videos up there, they were allowing videos to be up there of – illegal conduct. Right. I, I don't think anybody would question that they wouldn't allow a video up there of someone being murdered, right? So what is their threshold, if any, for b- permitting video depicting illegal conduct of being put up there? That's the question. And I think this would be a great guest to have on your show, the, the Social Media Victims Law Center, yeah. because they're taking on enormous amount of these cases that are asking that exact question. Yeah. Where does Send social media's responsibility? I'll reach out to Yeah. Them. Where, there's, where does their responsibility begin? And then it's a fascinating case. And of course, we'll follow it. It's very sad. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's uh, been a host of teenagers over the last year. I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's it's more than 10 that and have been it, killed in subway surfing accidents. Now, I know you have social media accounts, but you're not necessarily that active on social media. What uh, videos come up in your algorithm? Uh, I'm a TikTok fanatic right oh, now. Oh, you are on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because there's... You don't have to do anything. You know, I don't have to contribute that, anything. That's what everybody says. That's why I'm afraid to try it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it finds out right away who you are. And it just, and it does. All of a sudden it figures out, and, you know, my case, my my family's Israeli. So I was watching a lot of stuff in the aftermath of October 7th. And it's figured that out right away. Now it's like, boom, 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 a ton of that kind of stuff. Uh, I have a dog. Now I get tons of dog stuff. And I mean, it's amazing how quickly it figures out what you're addicted to and how it can keep you on the platform. And then you think about that in the mind of a teenager and potentially how damaging that could be. And I st- I have kids, so I buy into that on some level. And say, I get it. It does yeah. addict them. I get it. No, I... I am on Facebook. I mostly use it to post content about the show. But while I'm on there, they have these TikTok-like things that they call reels. And right. It's all the same thing. It's all just short-form video. And for me, it shows me a repeated diet of 
wrestling videos from the 1980s right. and um, videos of people making various forms of eggs, which are my favorite food. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I and, and I really do f- I have to tear myself away yes. from the screen sometimes because I want to see these various egg recipes. And, and again, think of yourself as a teenager. I think it's a whole different ball totally. game. Totally. So totally. there may be something there legally for them to go after. How... Can we call this person stupid? Is this just going to be incredibly mean? Have you heard this financial columnist, Charlotte Cowles? Oh, yes. I did hear about this. So Charlotte Cowles has worked and done columns and pieces for New York Magazine. She's relatively well-known as a financial expert. And she fell for one of these scams that when you hear it, you say, how could somebody who's semi-intelligent or very intelligent, I don't know, fall for this. But uh, she said she got a call on her cell phone. It appeared to be from Amazon, uh, from the ID. She picked it up, and it started these series of events where uh, she told uh, she was told that she had been had her identity stolen, and she needed to prove who she was. She got hooked in through that first phone call. By the way, all of this was not real. It was fake. They forwarded her to a fake FTC agent who continued to leave her all kinds of breadcrumbs of information to make this all seem legitimate, and that she had carried out cyber crimes and that she was about to be arrested for those cyber crimes and that the only way she could get out of it was by handing over all kinds of money at one point they by the way they gave her a lot of details they were able to name her family every member of her family they gave her her social security number so she says she thought this was legitimate but the amazing part of this story is you would think at some point when they were asking you, and this is how it ended, they wanted $50,000 in cash in a shoebox to be handed over to somebody who drove up in front of her house. How at that point do you not realize that there's no reality to the story? She did not. She handed over that money. Oh, and as she handed over that money, that's when she realized, oh, wait a minute, this is not legit. But it was too late. Gone. Did she? Did they ever catch the people that scammed her? They have not catch, caught them, no. So she's out, this $50,000. Yeah. Wow. My but, goodness. And I, I mean, there's, I, I know it's mean, but I just... Yeah, really, I, that's just stupid. It at does some point. make you think twice about taking any advice she might give on in her financial of course. Account, right? I mean, I went and looked at her website. I mean, she's got a very nice website. She's a good writer, but <laughs> I don't know. I, you, you know, I don't answer any of those calls. I don't know about you. I, if I don't know who it's calling me, I don't pick up. I don't even answer the calls from friends of mine. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I but Frank Morano, right to voicemail. Exactly, yeah. right, which is full. Exactly. Uh, this might be, no doubt, this is uh, something in your household because this is something in every household. Uh, a couple people have sent this to me. So you're familiar with Reddit, of course, right? I am, yes. So Reddit, another one of the many social media platforms. And this debate going on about this couple that have been living together for about six months, a girlfriend who moved in with her boyfriend. He pays three quarters of the rent because she's a student, and he's fine with that. But they still agreed that they would split the chores in the house 50-50. And she's apparently one of these women who likes the house extra clean. Oh, boy. I live with somebody like that. Same. And it's kind of nice on one level because the house is extra clean, but there's a lot involved to make it extra <laughs> clean. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, he agreed to that. He'd do 50-50. So his chores included uh, cleaning out the fridge, cleaning the bathroom, and some assorted other activities. And after a couple weeks, he said, you know what? I'm not doing it good enough. She always finds something. She finds dust. She doesn't like this. So he decided when it came time to do his chores, he would hire a cleaning woman. So why not, right? I like that. That makes sense yep. to me. I think that's brilliant. 
But now she's pushing back and saying, wait a minute, if we've cut these chores in half and you're using your half to bring in a cleaning lady, then you are breaking all the rules of our deal. That if you're doing, it's 50-50 chores, you do 50% of your chores, I'll do 50% of my chores, and then we'll be even. And he says, no, you know, if I decided that I want to use my, uh, you know, time better spent than cleaning the house to bring in somebody to clean it, then I'm going to do that. Well, all kinds of people weighing in on this. I mean, it's amazing how many uh, follow-ups there is to this Reddit. It's uh, ended up on social media. People Magazine has it in its latest issue. Uh, the big debate is, is it okay for him to take his time and money and use a cleaning person to clean up what's going on in his house as opposed to spending his time cleaning the house? I am totally with the guy on this. I think he should absolutely be entitled to hire a cleaning person. Yeah. Why not? But but I guarantee you most women who are listening to this would say, no, he's violating the pact of that agreement of splitting the chores, and uh, he should do it on his own. Ugh. I, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but no. R- results is what counts. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Noam. Sure. And now you know the rest of the story. 800-848-9222. Frank in Las Vegas listening on K-Dawn has been holding. Hey, Frank. Hey, uh, going back to Julie and, and uh, you're going back to basics, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a quick quote from one of those guys that had, and, and see if you can name, uh, uh, you, you got a choice of four. He had his uh, face carved on a rock and he said, tell the American people the truth and they'll know what to do. Can you name that person, Frank? Uh, I'm going to, I'm thinking it sounds like uh, Lincoln. Very good, Frank. (laughs) Hello? Yeah. Your memory still serves you. Excellent. Well, uh, what do you, I mean, I find this Assange situation totally um, distasteful. Well, he exposed, you know, he might have. He might have uh, broken some uh, espionage or whatever, but he, God bless him, he exposed the deep state. But actually, uh, JFK did a a joint chief of staff with the Federal Reserve there. He, he told the CIA, it's not your job to topple governments. It's your job to gather information and me and the Congress will decide. He told the Federal Reserve, you're unconstitutional, you're gone. That was the nail in the coffin. Also, with uh, Bobby Kennedy, um, Attorney General, going after the mafia, after Capone or whoever in Chicago, but between Chicago and Houston and LBJ, um, yeah, that's why Nixon was paranoid, uh, way too paranoid, because right. he got beat on a cheat. But Frank, it, it kind of worked out for our country. I, I, I have and, to run, uh, Frank. Frank, yeah. thank you. We've covered that before. Just for the record, Al Capone died in 1947, long before uh, John F. Kennedy was, was president. So anything having to do with uh, the Kennedy assassination has nothing to do with, with Al Capone. All right, 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
This is The Other Side of Midnight. We will wrap things up this morning as we do each and every morning by giving you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222 is our phone number. Any subject is fair game. Hey, let me say a quick hello to my brother, Sid Rosenberg, morning man at WABC, who's been doing uh, extra duty this week, extra hour. How are you liking that extra hour? It's fine. I mean, it's 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 a lot, man. That that last hour feels like three. But um, hey, the ratings have been great, and we've got great guests in the ten o'clock hour. It's gone well. Excellent. Who's on today, for instance? Oh God, Do I know? don't even know. Five hours. You've got like seven guests. I'm not even kidding you. Like seven guests. All right. Uh, Nancy Mace will be on in the ten o'clock oh. hour, and Peter King will be on today, and uh, Curtis Sliwa. He's always on. Alina Haba. We'll be on today. Andrew Giuliani's playing golf with Trump. Well, he'll be on live on the golf course. And last time Giuliani played golf with Trump last Friday, Trump got on the phone with me on a cell phone call. So there's a chance that Trump may do the same thing today. You oh, never know. Cool. That's worth so checking show. out. If you want to see Peter King's face turn red, just mention Julian Assange's extradition and forget about it. Does Steam will red? come out. Steam will come out of yeah. his ears. I thought he was going to say uh, get red because I had Cara Castronova <laughs> on the show yesterday, and he's a big Michael Sapriconi guy. Uh, it's going. I heard that interview. Great interview, by the Thank way. You. People should check it out. WBCRadio.com. I'm uh, I'm very in- enthused about Kara's candidacy. You are. I think she's I think she's going to do uh, really well if they give her the opportunity. All right, really quick. <laughs> the other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Jerry. It's illegal for prosecutor James to say I will get Frank Milano. That's outside the scope of her immunity. She loses immunity and it's obstruction of justice, the state election interference, red states, grand jury, go indict this ham sandwich. Mike. Morning, Frank. If Julian Assange or Eric Snowden ever return to U.S. soil, they'll be given the Epstein, Epstein suite Leavenworth Hilton with all its special accommodations. No extra towels or chocolates on the pillows for them, and forget about the minibar. Everyone else, I'm sorry we didn't get to you, but, you know, Sid popped in last minute. And, you know, when you, Sid's here this early, you got to talk to him. All right. Uh, that's Lambs a Lit on Things for today. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up for you tomorrow. Frank Morano, good day.